This is Cindy Bowen at Rodney Pike Church of God. This is Lesson 2, Session 1 of the Kingdom, looking at the parables of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. Last week, we sat with the master teacher, Jesus, and listened as he spoke parables to the people. He was laying spiritual truths down beside common, everyday scenarios that they could understand. And in doing so, Jesus was helping to build a structure or a framework to explain the concepts of the kingdom of heaven. You know, God made man from the dirt of the ground. Adam is really just dust that God has breathed into. You and I, we have dirt ears. And my dirt ears just can't hear heaven things. My dirt eyes can't see heavenly things things. I need Holy Spirit to reveal them to me. And sometimes there's more dirt in my eyes than I can make an excuse for. You know what I mean? The day-to-day grind of life, the routine of going to work and making life work, coming home and taking care of duties there, that, that rhythm can lull me into forgetting that my life is more than the next step I take. I need Holy Spirit to reveal spiritual things to me. Sometimes he has to remind me to look up, to lift my eyes toward the Father, to open my mouth in praise, to live like the kingdom of heaven is not only real, but it's active and powerful in my everyday life. And the people that were listening to Jesus' parables that day were really no different than me. Their dirt eyes couldn't see heaven either. And they were living head down, just getting by, hoping that Rome wouldn't notice them. They were just surviving the injustices and sometimes the cruelty of the Roman conquerors in their land. So when Jesus started talking about the kingdom of heaven, they were ready to hear about Messiah coming to rule and reign. But Jesus didn't speak of revolution or swords or armies or violent attacks. Instead, he spoke of gardens. The kingdom of heaven is like a man sowing wheat in his field and an enemy sowing weeds along with it. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, so small and buried so deep, but with the explosive power of growth inherent. It's like a woman hiding her yeast in her dough until it changes the whole nature and texture of the bread she is baking. And what Jesus is doing is giving them a construct to understand something of the spiritual truths of the kingdom of heaven. That God has a plan and it's a long-term plan. That he's well aware of what the enemy is up to and he's not threatened by it. That the kingdom of God that God is establishing is inherently powerful and is apparent in the growth and the change in the people in whom it is sown. That even though they couldn't see the kingdom yet with their eyes, it was going to change their natures. And even though the king is really still coming to sit on a real throne in Jerusalem, it is a coming kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven is already at hand as well. It is hidden inside of us, present in the right now reality, in the hearts and lives of God's people, expressed through relationship with God that has been built on the blood of Jesus. It's mediated by Holy Spirit like a seed buried, like a yeast hidden. 
changing us from the inside out, making us more and more like the king and making us ready to be citizens of his kingdom. Starting in Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus offered three parables, a triad, back to back, uh, that I feel is a portrait of the kingdom expressed in relationship with God, reciprocating love and pursuit. In verse 44, Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The treasure of a relationship with God, when we engage his heart, is hidden treasure. It's so valuable, in fact, that we are willing to go all in, to sell all in order to have him. And we consider it no cost at all. It's a joy. In the words of the Apostle Paul, Whatever former things that I might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness there's a passing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving, recognizing, and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I might win Christ, the anointed one. Paul was all in. Tonight we're going to go a little further into the next parable that Jesus spoke. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man. So let's dig in. Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he's just told them that parable about the hidden treasure. And as we've seen, he's saying, go after God, seek him like treasure. Not everyone in your life's going to get it, but do it anyway because he's worth it. This relationship with God is going to cost you everything. But what joy it's going to be to you. You have to be all in. But then Jesus takes his magnifying glass and he turns it around. The focus is no longer on man engaging God. Now God is engaging man. Starting in Matthew 13 verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. In the first story, the kingdom was the treasure, and we're the ones pursuing. But in this parable, the kingdom is a merchant, and he is the one pursuing, and he's pursuing a treasure. Let's look a little closer. The word that is translated merchant is the Greek emporos, and it does not mean a shopkeeper. This is no petty tradesman who's peddling his groceries on the corner. This is not the guy running the register down at the speedway or marathon. This is a merchant man. This is someone who intentionally leaves their place of comfort and goes on a long journey traveling for the express purpose of finding goods. 
So this merchant gathers up what he needs and he packs his bag, so to speak, and starts on his journey. He has this one particular thing he is after and he's very intentional about that. He is looking for pearls and he isn't going to Walmart to check out their pearl supply because at Walmart you can get jewels that look like pearls but they're really made of plastic and you can get all kinds of them strung together on a string for a buck or two. If quantity is what you want, you can bid low on the cost. But this merchant's not after quantity. He is after quality. He is after goodly pearls. Choice, beautiful, excellent, surpassing ones. That's what the word means. He isn't comparing websites to see where he could get the best deal or the lowest cost on them. Instead, he will go himself to look. He packs up his bags and he went searching. He went to remote places to where seas meet the land. He's seeking, and that Greek word is zateu. He is aiming at it, striving after, requiring and demanding it. He's craving it. He's seeking after and for these pearls. I pulled that out of the Greek so you could see the intensity of the search that the merchant is conducting. So the merchant is intentional and he is intense and his effort pays off because he is successful. He finds this one pearl that was of great price. This is an extremely valuable pearl. And do you know what he did? The man sells all that he has to buy the pearl. Doesn't that sound familiar? That sounds like us in parable one selling all to have the treasure hidden in the field. Now the man will sell all to have the pearl. And I want to lay just a little more Greek on you here. The guy in the last parable, the one who sold all he had to buy the, the field that has the treasure in it. The word sell in that verse is paleo. And that means to barter goods. He gave up, gave up his possessions, bartered them away to raise the money for the field. But the merchant man does not paleo. He doesn't barter his goods away. He did not go home and get a yard sale together. Instead, he does something else. He piresco. That word in the Greek means to sell himself as into servitude. The price to give him up whole, himself up wholly to someone else's will. And if you trace the etymology of this word, its root word originally meant to pierce through. Can you see the picture that Jesus has just painted in Matthew 13? The man who found the treasure hidden in the field sells his stuff. He barters what belongs to him because the treasure was worth so much more than he had it in his possessions. He had to have it, so he sold it all. But the merchant man did not sell his stuff. He gives himself up to have the pearl. This is what the kingdom of God is like. 
We sell all to have a relationship with God. We go all in. But Jesus went much further than that. Jesus gave up himself to save us. He gave up himself to purchase us, to ransom us. This is the picture of our salvation. God the Son left the glories of heaven, the choirs of angels, the glassy sea of the throne room. He was spirit, but he put on our flesh and he walked in our dirt. He served the broken, the blind, the polluted. He fed the ungrateful and washed dirty feet of those who had walked with him. Then he submitted himself fully to the will of the Father, sweating blood while he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to shut down the whole thing. He allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed himself to be beaten, to be pierced, nailed to the wooden cross. He was suspended between the heavens and the earth. He gave himself to pay the price for our salvation. We are the pearl church. The merchant man has sold all sold all that he had, even himself, to buy the pearl of great price. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus is the lamb paying the price, the merchant man buying the pearl. Can I give you another one? This one is found in the book of Colossians. Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made of himself no reputation and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is worthy of the praise from the church. He's the head of the church. Jesus has ransomed us, not with, with perishable silver or gold. We were worth so much more than that. It took the sinless Blood of God the Son to pay the ransom for our souls. Let's go on a little farther tonight. Looking at Jesus, that merchant man. If you remember, we found a progression in the first parable. 
The man found a treasure hidden in the field and with joy sold all he had and bought the field. The value that he placed on the treasure moved his heart, set his feet to movement. The value that he had placed drove his desire. His desire propelled his pursuit and his pursuit determined his direction. All in the direction of that treasure hidden in the field. But the same progression is found here. The merchant values the pearl and he desires it. And that desire propelled him to pursue it or go seeking after it. That pursuit determined the direction he took. I want to look at the value of that pearl because that value started the whole progression. But do you realize that the Bible begins and ends with God seeking fellowship with man? If you look at the creation account of Genesis 1 and 2, when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke and created the atmosphere, the dry land, the plant life, the sun, the moon, the stars. It wasn't because he had nothing better to do. Isaiah 45 and 18 says that he formed the world to be inhabited. He was building layer upon layer a world where his prized creation man could not just survive, but thrive and walk in fellowship with him. We know that story, how Adam and Eve blew it, how they believed the devil and chose what looked good and slipped into the rebellion of sin. And separation from God because of it. And you can trace the desire that God had to bring man back into proximity and fellowship throughout the whole of the scriptures. He walks with Enoch, God with man. He preserves Noah, God with man. He is the friend with Ab- to Abraham. He is the one who keeps Isaac He's the covenant keeper for Jacob, the deliverer to Moses. And in Israel, God seeks to produce a godly nation that will point the outsider nations back toward him. And then if you go to the other end of the book, in Revelations 21 verse 3, Then I heard a mighty voice from the throne, and I perceived this distinct word saying, See, The abode of God is with men, and he will live in camp or tent among them, and they shall be his people, and God shall personally be with them and be their God. God values his creation, mankind, and the value that he placed on us drove his desire, and that desire moved him to pursue us. That set the direction of Jesus' feet on a path, a path that had a shadow of the cross lying over it. The merchant man went on the journey because the value of the prize, the pearl, was great. It was great enough to move him.